Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Turnbuckles. I'm John Reinman, and my uncle Peter used to fix the air conditioning in a bar run by Boston mobster James Whitey Bulger. I'm Tommy Rico, and I'm an avid Super Mario Brothers fan, but all of my uncles are actual Italian plumbers, and none of them can jump. I'm Julie Harrison Harney, and my uncle is my mom's brother. Well, how about that? And speaking of uncles, let's get it out of the way early. It's time to say howdy. Everybody loves Braymond. Well, uh, I would not say I'm off the Bray Wyatt bandwagon, but they don't have me right now. Mm. I worry about this one. I haven't seen anything since Bray's debut, his re-debut at the premium live event. To really, I'm just being honest, to really make me feel good about this. I'm not as worried as you are, John, but I need more information. I mean, Uncle Howdy could be good, but it's like everything is living in this vacuum of nothing's happening in the ring with Bray yet, and that's becoming a problem. Everything kind of feels anticlimactic. He's not interacting with other wrestlers. And so there's this kind of like, it feels like a show within the show, but not in a good way. It feels separate from the rest of the product. And I don't think that that can keep going much longer. It's not, it, it's going to cease being as, as interesting as it could be, but it I'm, I'm going to reserve judgment. It almost feels like he's somebody who back in the day, they used to have people that like Lex Luger. Remember when he came in and he couldn't contractually wrestle? Yes. So he, would just make a, he would just make appearances and he would keep teasing that he's eventually going to show up. Do you remember how Vince like tried to sneak him in at first? No. What happened? He tried to that. sneak Lex in as a member of the WBF, the World Bodybuilding Federation. Oh, yeah, I Federation. do remember that. Yeah. I do remember that. Yeah, Which was actually a, a pretty sneaky and, and smart move, but it, it, that never came to pass. And eventually he had, he, he had a situation where he could legally wrestle for WWE. But yeah, he was, he was going to be a, a, a... And by the way, quite frankly, looked like a bodybuilder his whole career. So it would have made sense. Uh, also a good follow on, uh, what's left of Twitter. If anyone, if it's still around by the time this comes out, <laughs> no, but it just, it seems like somebody who's not cleared to wrestle or they they can't contractually do it. It's just Bray in the ring. It's two weeks in a row now that he's basically come out to cut a promo on himself. And it just goes back to what we talked about where it's like, he's talking about, see, you know what he's doing? And it, it's like, this is where people always, okay. Two things. First of all, uh, I'm not going to say that first of all, you know, I was only probably in maybe 20 meetings 
with the guy, which is not a whole lot. The overall scheme of thing, yeah, pro- no, probably 30, probably when you count production meetings, 40 to 50 or whatever. But in terms of small group meetings, 15 to 20 with Vince McMahon. And I'm not going to try to say, oh, he's a saint. I'm not going to do that. But what I will say is that creatively, um, he did know when to put up the stop sign. He did know when to say, hold on a second. And everyone has said this about Vince. Everyone has said, even detractors, well, Vince knows where, like, we're going to, you know, this is going too far. And I think it's about his complexities as a human, where it's just like he's this guy that had, it's almost like, you know what he reminds me of? He's Don Draper. To me, that's who Vince McMahon kind of is. He's someone who, if you follow his childhood, came from a really dysfunctional home. And it's amazing he made it out of there. And it's clear that it followed him throughout life. And so that's what made him this complex guy. And I feel that for all his, um, you know, transgressions, there's still this part of him that still tries to be, I don't want to say pure, but like there is a part of him that wishes he could just be a family man, wishes it could be a Walt Disney product. And the big thing is, because I was in a meeting where he got very animated about the way the Bray character was being addressed in terms of mental health. And Vince emphatically said, we do not want to discriminate it. We do not want to use the word crazy. We do not want to use, I mean, we were just throwing out words. And I think demented was the one. And he said, even that I'm not in love with. So it was a very, we almost lost a Firefly Funhouse over this. And when I say we, I mean the team. I mean, it was really the writer that was working with Bray and think Paul Heyman at the time. So it was like they were fighting for this thing and we were just pitching ideas, trying to help out. And I think that with Vince gone, we're starting to see what Bray's tapping into, which is mental health and which is demons and personal demons. And that thing that they've tweeted out the QR code where it's like a hospital admission sheet. Did you guys see that? It was like a psych ward. Not cool. I'm sorry. Not good. I don't like that. That's not good. Creative. That's 30, that's mid-90s WWE, if that. I mean, it's really like when I was a kid, when you could still make fun of that stuff. And I think if you went through the past two or three years, nearly everyone's been in a situation like that. So I don't see the, I don't see the positive of introducing that as a storyline into something that's supposed to be an escape from your life. So yeah, I you know what like that, that seemed like? That seemed like uh, nails wrestling yeah, in an orange exactly. jumpsuit coming out was, of jail. Like, that's not something say, you would do today either cartoony and 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 uh very tone deaf and also just i'm just gonna be frank it just looked cartoonish it looked very guess who's coming to superstars this person they're crazy get it and it's just like (sighs) so we've been following this guy it just it doesn't it doesn't work and i it's not sympathetic it feels like they're mocking um a marginalized group they're putting Bray in that group, and I get they're going to say, no, Bray's putting it on himself. No, you're, you're an escape. You're a character that people look to. And the second part is, to go back to Vince, just to recap, we've eliminated Vince McMahon so that we could arrive at the name Uncle Howdy. So yeah. there you go. So to everyone out there that mocks all the Vince McMahon names, I just want... I, not defending what Vince did in his private personal life uh, and his corporate life, as it turns out, but there's a character without Vince McMahon right now being heavily pushed in WWE named Uncle Howdy. Well, so. I, I want to drill down on that, that idea that Vince 
was a good governor for Bray's talent, because I think in some ways he was. I think in other ways, it, depending on the the idea we're talking about, there were certain things that Vince couldn't fit in his head and may have ruined because he couldn't he couldn't conceive of it on screen. But I mentioned how do, you, how do you get it to the ring? That was what right. I, that was always a big thing, right, Julie? Like, yeah, fun idea. How does it get to the ring? That was always Vince's big yeah. thing. Where are people going to take pictures and you know do all that stuff? He still alluded, bases it in the ring. I've alluded to to it on the show before. I not only wasn't a big fan of Swamp Bray, his original incarnation after Husky Harris in WWE, but I didn't <laughs> like it at all. I didn't like it at all. And part of it was. It was a decent idea, but there was, I don't know who gave him the reign where he could cut those long self-indulgent promos that went nowhere. Like to this day, I'm a Bray Wyatt fan to this day. No one has explained We're all Bray to me, Wyatt fans. Right. I just want to point that out. We wouldn't yeah. be talking about this if we weren't. No one has explained to me what eater of worlds means. What does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. And a lot of stuff from that era, from the Swamp Bray era, doesn't mean anything. It was a lot of blah, blah, blah. And so the, why, what I liked about The Fiend, and I think, John, you remember when they first started running Firefly Funhouse vignettes, I wasn't a fan initially. It took some time. Oh, really? I, I, don't, I didn't know that. No, you I didn't like it up me. front. Because I, I, I loved it. Like, I, I would was say like, maybe you were trying not to hurt my feelings. By I week, loved it. By week three of them, I was intrigued. By week four, I was hooked, and then I was in. But it took some time. But the, It did, the it one did thing, run its course. It did yeah. run its course a little, yeah. But the one thing I liked about The Fiend versus Swamp Bray is that The Fiend was distilled, and it was refined, and it seemed like they had finally found the formula where he wasn't going way off book and way on tangents that went nowhere. Like, it seemed very structured in a good way. And this is kind of the worst of both worlds. It's rambly and self-indulgent. Whoa, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. I see what you're saying. There's no, like... It's just, he's... I get he's trying to be vulnerable. Does he seem, Julie, do you think he seems too vulnerable? Because at this point, I'm like, is this Bray Wyatt or just like an emo kid at the food court in the mall? It seems like Bray is operating in a different universe than the rest of WWE is. It's, it's a legitimate question to ask, like, okay, we're five or six weeks in now. And is this wrestler going to wrestle? <laughs> Not a good like, question. I think the basis of wrestling is wrestling at some point, and he hasn't done that, and it doesn't seem like he's in any danger to do so yet. Uh, I don't... I, that, one thing I forgot to talk about last week was one thing that, that WWE is, I think, taking to the extreme under Triple H, and I'm not sure exactly why, is they, are, they seem to be obsessed with long-term booking to a detriment to the product because they are stretching out Storylines that should be a two to three week thing tops, and they're stretching it out six, seven, eight, nine weeks. Like I mean, Miz and Loomis, is that like an Miz example? and Loomis, like this this Uncle Howdy thing, like perfect example. In AEW, definitely, they have some good long term booking. They got they were lauded for it early on, but lately they've been smart about like like the acclaimed. The acclaimed had a situation where their scissoring gimmick, which everybody loves, and they're selling merch and everything was taken away by lawyer smart Mark Sterling, who's, who copyrighted scissoring and didn't allow them to do it, and then put it, that forced them to wrestle a match against his guys to get it back. 
That yeah. in WWE would have been a six-week storyline. <laughs> and on true, AEW, yeah. it was two weeks. And, it and was you funny. know what? It was great. And eventually, yeah. Mark's, Mark Sterling got kicked in the nuts, and we were all happy. We it all was, went home it happy. Was, that was very fun. And I didn't, so that, I didn't that follow that addresses another show. thing. AEW um, also knows how to do getting kicked in the balls better than WWE. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're not at that on? segment yet. We'll That's get to that the whole segment on the we'll, show. We'll get uh, there. I mean, how can you ugh. not talk about balls when talking right. about WWE at this point? It's half their show is. Yeah. That's their long-term booking at this point is. That's also their set. That's also their balls. sense. That's also their sense of humor. You know, is that first of all, at WWE, whenever you'd get rewritten, they'd make a big deal about the fact that you got rewritten which is fucking bullshit. No one in any other TV show makes a big deal about being re- rewritten. I mean, I think I ran mono for five years. I think it was both late night and Fallon. And whenever I rewrote a joke, the writer got credit. It didn't say them with me rewrite. Like it was their joke. I had just changed the words. Uh, Spike Ferriston was, was very much helped by Larry David on the soup Nazi episode of Seinfeld but it says written by Spike Ferriston, even though Spike has said Larry was 50-50. Larry said, nope, your idea, your premise, your credit. So first of all, you're an asshole if you talk about rewriting people. And you're an even bigger asshole when you're not fucking funny at all. And you try to rewrite someone's shit and make it even less funny than the dumb fucking idea you asked them to write about. And I know, ex- I can picture exactly who's writing these dumb fucking nutshot things. The WWE and it's not funny and you're not funny, but I will go back to, uh, everybody loves Brayman, uh, here. And, um, I think that, let me ask you something. If he came in and he were, what would you, I would have like, I would have been fine with him doing the return that he did. And then Monday night, Firefly Funhouse, And then Friday night, the fiend beats the shit out of somebody. That's what everybody wanted. And it was fine to, were you guys okay with that? Did you need anything different or would that make you happy? That would have made me happy. Absolutely. Yeah. Or yeah. maybe give me some answers. This uncle howdy thing. It's just like, what the fuck? But it wasn't, there was this huge lead up. There was white rabbit. There was all these phrases that were going around. Have we gotten any answer? Uncle howdy it's... seems to come out after his reveal. So I'm like, well, what? Are you going well, to answer the questions that you gave me previously? All this time, have all these clues? We may have discovered who Uncle Howdy is already. So, uh, well, it's Bo our, Dallas, right? Our friend Bo Dallas wears an earring. Wait a minute, our, our friend? Yes. Well, I've never met the him, podcast. So. Is that why you guys weren't writing back to my texts all weekend? Yes. I thought it was just because I'm me. <laughs> we, were mo- what? we were molding the Uncle Howdy mask. No, Bo uh. Dallas wears a cross earring that is reminiscent of the earring that Uncle Howdy wears. Could be a red herring, but it sure seems like it's a clue. But the problem with this is it doesn't seem like clues lead to anything. (laughs) He's going to fight his brother? That's a big thing? Yeah. His brother is not with the company? And then some people are saying, oh, it's inspired by Barry Windham, and so it's some form of... It's just the whole logic of it. It's like some people... It sounds like Bray, but we know Bo from a couple of promos does a good Bray impression. They're on YouTube. It's a really good Bray impression, which I think sometimes people have an impression they'll hide it because you don't want you want to save that for down the road. And um, as long as it's still up there, which I think it's on a WWE YouTube channel, uh, I say, yeah, I don't know if they pulled that down, then that's a dead giveaway. But if it's Bray, the whole thing of just like some people saying, oh, it's just Bray. It's another personality. I'm like, so you're to tell me 
that Bray pre-recorded a promo, hit the timer on the promo for when it should play, like when you're taking a picture with your phone, then came out of Uncle Howdy, put on his nice sweater and his khakis. I mean, he's, he's dressing like he's going to his kid's soccer game to go out to the ring and talk about how tough life is. I mean, it's just, that's your main event. It's just like, and which by the way, brings up the point that it's been a shit year and a half in that guy's life. In many ways, he lost a dear friend of his in the wrestling community. Uh, he's got let go surprisingly. Um, and a lot of doubt, you know? And so sometimes I look at Bray, especially that backstage promo from two weeks back on SmackDown. He didn't seem in, in, it seemed like it was a run through. It didn't seem like Bray Wyatt. It felt like Bray Wyatt several years ago. It didn't even like swamp Bray Wyatt from 2013. I was like, this is not up to that level from nine years ago. It just felt odd. And it felt like he wasn't all the way in on it. And something's off here, but um, is there any way I just, it, can, is there any way to fix it? Is there any way that there can be that we, can they do like they did with the LA night and just say, Hey, this shit's not working. Funhouse, fiend. Let's go. Would people still buy it? Or is everyone going to be like, no, I need to know who uncle Howdy was now. No, I wish they would, but I don't see them doing it. They're way, they're in way too deep on this. They, they have to commit. I think it, it's salvageable, and I think it could still be good. The problem is the longer it goes, the lower the chances of it being good are. That's just the, That's it's, a good point. People are going to lose interest. And the payoff won't be big enough. No, it, it can't be. There's just no human way possible to make the payoff big enough to, to make it work out the longer you drag this out. Eventually, you know it's got to pay off in the ring. And, I, and by the way, supposedly on internal documents, Bray is listed as a babyface. I don't know what kind of baby face this is. And maybe that's the thing. Maybe it's some new thing, but it I, all goes, it, it all goes know. back to the one time I pushed back, uh, against Vince. And I've talked about this before is when he had Seth Rollins talking about how frightened he was of the fiend. And I said, sir, cause we called him, sir. Uh, do you, do, do we want to have Seth Rollins, our top baby face at the time talking about being scared? of another superstar. That's not something a baby face would do baby faces. Don't admit to being scared. And then his point was, well, goddamn, pal, if we don't do that, then we're burying our top heel. You know? And it was one of those things where no one really agreed with him. You know, usually you don't want to nod in front of Vince. We all know that. Uh, but, or yawn or sneeze or blank or it exist, I guess. And, um, but Bruce, everyone kind of, I remember Bruce turned his head and kind of looked at him waiting for an answer as if to say, well, it was, it was the, the Bruce expression of, I've been saying this to you for two weeks. And then, and then I noticed that even Laurenitis was looking at, it. I felt like people were, had brought this up to him and he thought on it. And then he just said, I think it's more important that we get, take care of Bray right now. But what happened to Seth Rollins? Then he was, he was squashed. And in terms of in the fans eyes, they were like, oh, this guy, it's like scared, cowering in the corner. So I just don't know how your top baby face comes out and cries and says, I have a lot of problems and you and leaks forms from a psych ward, which again, sucks. Well, John, you've identified a problem, though. The problem is, I don't think the fiend was ever a what was ever a heel. The fiend was a baby face from day one. And I don't I don't know that Vince understood that. 
But maybe, but that's what I thought they were going to do. I thought that they being WWE and creative was going to, I thought the clear cut thing to do would be, okay, Vince is gone, but Hunter's still there. The son-in-law is still there. Stephanie's still there. Uh, you know, the daughter's still there. God knows Shane's probably walking around outside the arena. Say, hey, is today my birthday? And so <laughs> you got people at your disposal. And so put them to work. I thought it was going to be a program where somehow the fiend sets out for revenge on the McMahon family and, uh, and then uses like the Mr. McMahon puppet, like burns him in the first episode and says, you guys are all next. And I was like, that's compelling because it's real life. And we'll all know that, okay, Hunter and, and Wyndham are really working behind the scenes, but there's also that little bit of tension. How well is it going? And so that how much is a work, how much is, 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 is a shoot. That just seemed like it would have been so. And I think that they're thinking, oh, that's too easy. You know what? We liked it, though. And as Paul Heyman famously said, if you know what's coming and you love it, are you mad that you know that it's coming? If you love it and you're happy about it, aren't you still going to watch? Like If your team's up three. Hey, bro, if your team is up three games to none, bro, in the World Series, bro, are you not going to watch game four? Of course you are. So I just don't understand why this whole thing is so complicated. And now we have psych ward forums and people crying that are supposed to be tough. And then fucking uncle howdy. And you know what? The more I talk about it and I think, God, who could uncle howdy be to get us out of this? Tom, you remember, I only remember one other time in WWE uh, lineage when there was someone under a hood and under a mask and they talked about him forever and ever and ever. And there was no goddamn reveal. And I think, Hmm, that plus the name uncle howdy. Oh no. Holy shit. Is it Fred Ottman? No, it's not Fred Ottman. <laughs> oh, it's Vince. That's, He's the higher power again. I know it's not, but you can't. But like, I'm just saying that if I were a detective, I'd be like, put it, put him on the list. But you can't rule him out. We don't know. He doesn't have an alibi. Isn't there right a now. big enough cloud over WWE right now looming that we don't need well, to <laughs> inject that into it? Let's go right to it as part yeah. of this segment. So Bray Wyatt has been announced. He's going to be appearing. That's what he does because he's not in the ring with anybody. We would, he's like the janitor from Scrubs at this point. That's who he is. He just interacts, but he doesn't even interact with the protagonist. It's just him. and uh, He would be, if he's, he, he's the kid from, uh, what was it, St. Elsewhere that ends up it's all being a dream in his head. Like, that's who Bray is right now. Like, if this were a movie, I'd be like, oh, he's the narrator that we're going to find out. It, you know, he's just a clump of dust at the end. He's like okay, Akon featuring on somebody else's track. Yes, it's like yes. Bray. It's yeah. WWE featuring Bray Wyatt, which fine until I saw it. And I'm like, Ugh. but like Bray is advertised for crown jewel in Saudi Arabia and Tommy Rico. I understand you have some breaking news on, uh, what may or may <laughs> not be happening over there. in uh, Saudi Arabia, which man who saw this coming other than most people, I guess. Um, I'm wondering if the Thunderdome is still available or maybe if, if the performance center is vacant on the weekend, because the wall street journal has, uh, updated us with information that Saudi Arabia has shared intelligence with the U S warning of an imminent attack from Iran on targets in the kingdom. Oh my God. Yeah. Ooh. So, oh you know, it's interesting. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. That's a swerve. Now, that, that, that's an example of, can't call that. Now, we all thought there'd be problems with Saudi Arabia, but that's a swerve. They're in trouble. <laughs> I love that they're in trouble now, and they're like, 
okay, so now it's dangerous because it's always been so great. Did they? What's going on with Saudi Arabia, Tom? Are they all out of, of bone saws these days? <laughs> I mean, the big question is now, as a company, are you willing to send your people there? Oh, that is I'm terrifying. Not. I mean, shouldn't I, be any, it shouldn't be anyway, but I understand it's business and I understand the whole thing would fall through because and I want to remind everybody that uh, with, with that journalist and everything, they signed that deal well before that. I think they might have even had the show planned and everything. They did. And that. Yeah. So it's like everyone says, I can't believe they went into business after that. No, the deal was set and it's an iron. It's ironclad. And also and understand, so, too, that when we talk about this, we're not talking about the people of Saudi Arabia who certainly no. deserve and enjoy Wrestling. Yes. And that is where I see Hunter and Stephanie's point of like, they're trying to serve them. And there is sort of a thing of you're hoping they're, I don't know what you're hoping. Yeah. Because but that's the sad your thing. Employees, but. the everybody, yes, this yes. is, this is scary. Oh yeah. Right? No, we're speaking Am in I, a general sense, but I, and as they far just, as and like they just today, laid off, no. they laid off a bunch of people today as well. WWE. WWE. Yeah. That was other breaking news. I didn't even get to look at the list yet. So I don't want, oh, and the lists no. are always, the lists are always sources say, oh, although no. as Tom points out, one of our favorite sources seems to be kind of just repeating information back from, uh, from Stanford, but it seems to be, an employee. Uh, but there's been some cutbacks and all of a sudden this, and now I'm like, Hmm, because if they can't do crown jewel, that's, that's a big problem. Oh, that's like God. a pandemic I issue. For everyone them. stay safe. I really do. I, this I don't think, I don't know, man. I think all the story, some of the storylines they got going right now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take that to Saudi Arabia anyway. If you have any kind of threat now that it's a confirmed threat. Oh. Is Wall Street Journal, Tom? Is that who it was? Yep. Wow. No. What an interesting, same, same paper, paper that break, broke the Vince story, right? It is. Wow. Gosh. I mean, I, I, I don't want to gloat over this, but this is one of those no. situations where if you do business with the kingdom, this is always going to be a threat. And it, this just happens to be an elevated threat. And I just, for the safety of your performers, not just your, you are sending. That's the biggest event they have everybody. going on. You, you would be the big target. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's the, the largest amount of people gathered in one space over the weekend. So if there's oh, a wonder, credible threat. I wonder if they have a way out of it or if they're insured in any way, but. Oh my gosh. I just want everyone to stay safe. Well, we know one person who's safe. Sami Zayn, because he ain't going. Sami yeah. Zayn is Syrian and is, uh, I don't think, welcome there. Uh, and then so, also, did you see Kevin Owens? They put Kevin Owens' all his creative on hold. Is he okay? That's what people he, are trying to figure out. Oh. If something's he, going on there. So with Owens, what I've seen is that supposedly- I don't mean just for Crown Jewel. I mean indefinitely. Yeah, supposedly they were going to pair him up with Sammy, and Sammy's plans have changed because Sammy and the Bloodline is such a big deal. It is arguably the biggest story in WWE right now. Mm -hmm. So now they can't do that pairing because they would be throwing away business. So Owens is left in free fall because they didn't have anything for him otherwise, which is dumb. It's I don't know how Kevin. you can have somebody like him lose. Yeah, I'm confused. Why can't you pivot to another storyline? Yeah, that's something you know, for him. Hey, you know something? I'll tell you something, and I'm not just, but like, that would have been a good first program for The Fiend. Kevin Owens wrestled Steve Austin. He's not scared of anyone anymore. He got rid of Ezekiel. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get rid of you, too. And that would have been a good month-long program. 
And Kevin Owens is one of the few people that's just got the, he, he would not be scared of the fiend. I agree. So that would have been a good way to go. And Maybe they were building him so strong. And all of a yeah. sudden he's just off TV. Is he okay? Do, do, well, you really, again, he's he's do you really think it's story? It's not him being injured or something? It, it, it's supposedly story. He is, he is not injured. What? Yeah. Well, how do you not use Kevin Owens? I'm sorry. That's, that's like same with R-Truth, same with Asuka. How do you not use these three individuals? They're so good. <laughs> well, they did well, use R-Truth, but unfortunately yeah, no one could save that let's, segment. Let's, let's get to that now. If you want to check out and see if uh, Uncle Howdy uh, pans out, uh, WWE SmackDown airs Fridays at 8 on Fox. Let's hope for the best. It's time for the Raw Recap. Raw Recap. Okay, so let's get right to our truth We saw our truth on Raw, and uh, I didn't think it was, I have ever seen it done this way. I didn't know if it was possible, but I didn't, I didn't love an R-Truth segment. It just felt weird, and the timing was off. And he was funny, and everyone was so excited to see him. And then it just, uh, yeah, it was, for some reason, Tom, who was in the segment with our truth that would be uh, John Bradshaw Layfield and Baron Corbin, each cutting interminably long promos. And hey, so for me, take, by the time our truth showed up, the I'll segment it wasn't in the shitter. The, it was already way down the pipe. All right. But I mean, <laughs> so, I'll take JBL as long as it keeps Corbin from doing anything. But yeah, you know, he's like what Dan Shaughnessy would call the cooler. Dan Shaughnessy is a sports writer in Boston. And he calls people the cooler when they're someone that they get on a team and all of a sudden the team, that's who Baron Corbin is. And whenever they want someone to like, they're like, man, they're getting over too well. They should put him against Baron Corbin. He's the cooler. So he, how is he getting worse? He's been with the company for a decade and it seems just, like his skill is diminishing. He was, he cut a promo that sounded like a guy that joined NXT yesterday. I couldn't believe how bad it well, was. Well, that, that raises an interesting question, and I'll just bring that up, is that, you know, everyone always said Vince overscripted promos, micromanaged, did all that. I will say that, when, especially now that we have AEW, where you see, a, <laughs> you know, it's cost a couple people their jobs, but um, other than that, it's been fine, Mrs. Lincoln, um, but we've seen the difference between organic, funny promos, like from Sami Zayn, and uh, the bloodline where they're all, you know, they're, they're trying to get at each other. They're trying to break each other. And so they're going full tilt. Um, there've been some weird ass promos on WWE as of late where the go home line was seemed a little bit off. The tenor felt soft and kind of wishy-washy and passive. And I'm just going to wonder that wonder if, is that a sign of Vince not being there that there's no one there to say, Hey, I, you know, I gave you the shot to run it on your own. Not there. So this is what you're going to do for better or worse. Because just, it seems like there's so much dialogue that just doesn't seem like human beings talking. It's yeah, it, it's awful. Tommy, or it just doesn't get say anything. It just doesn't say anything. I don't understand. Like, like judgment day. I mean, I get that Dominic is trying to get his feet wet. And Dooley, did you ever meet Dominic Mysterio? I got to meet Dominic because uh, Ray introduced him to everybody okay. at Raw one night. That is the sweetest thing I've ever heard. Super nice guy. Like, this is when he was just a kid. And it was like, and he, like you know, college age like level. It was like, is he going to be, before he was this big, jacked up, tough looking dude now with the New Hampshire haircut. <laughs> Shout out. 
And, um, but I will just say that, uh, like, but he's cutting these long promos. It just seems like a lot of what are you saying? And again, it circles back to those 94, 95 years in WWE when Vince was preoccupied with at first the steroid trial and then trying to go against Ted Turner and trying to keep people together into 96. Are we missing Vince right now where it's just like, I get that Hunter is like, go out there, have fun. And I I like the nicer vibe, but you know, Julie, you know, from other places we've worked, you know, there's always a honeymoon period when a new boss takes over and someone leaves and everyone goes, Oh, this is going to be so much better. But if the product doesn't improve, the morale just goes back to where it was kind of, and it's almost kind of worse in a way. Yeah. And it's just, but the answer is not Vince. In my opinion, they, you gotta, need to find it. You need to find a different answer. I don't know that it's a writer for Ellen either, by the way. And I'm not talking about the great Brian Kylie. Who I was going to suggest Brian had a funny tweet out about being a fiend. And so I retweeted him. Brian's a, we should have Brian on at some point to go in blind, watching an episode of raw and then just come back with his Kylie, like an average person who doesn't watch wrestling and the most mild mannered, polite comedian just to just describe what he saw. Do we That'd know if funny, he's a wrestling fan? I don't believe he is. Oh, I think man. he's a, uh, he's good. He's good friends with Gull, with Gallman, but I don't think he's a, they, they, was, he was like Gallman's mentor. He's a, he's a hockey fan and a football fan and a baseball fan. I he, don't think um, he liked wrestling. He's a genius. That would, be a, that would be a fun social experiment to just have the best monologue joke writer in the history of late night, watch an episode of Monday night raw and just report back to us. Just Folks, he, Brian, is, he Brian. is not related to wrestling at all, but I'm going to share his Twitter handle. It's at Kylie Noodles, K-I-L-E-Y-N-O-O-D-L-E-S, where you can see gems like this one. Perfect for the holidays. Uh, Brian Kylie tweeted a day ago, at the bakery this morning, I bought three gingerbread houses that I plan on fixing up and flipping. <laughs> Perfect. It's, it, that's a double entendre. One lot, 18 words. The economy is brilliant and perfect. And he's some, always funny. Some good double entendres too. They're like your favorite one, which is my wife. She, my, I, I can do a Brian Kylie. My wife can't stand the sight of blood, loves the taste of it, but can't stand the sight of like, so he's got that gear where I'd be interested to show him some WWE promos. Say, Brian, how would you punch this up? How would you take these segments? What are some, we should do that. Let's, let's maybe think about reaching out to Brian and say, well, how would you have rewritten this? What are some jokes you would put in other than getting hit in the balls? Should we just go to getting hit in the balls right now? Because was yeah. it me? Cause, cause it seemed like I, when I was watching live last night before I went back today and rewatched it, it was just every time I checked back in, someone had an ice pack on their nuts or they were talking to the Miz about his testicles again. It's Rhea Ripley's finishing move now. What the f is going on? Like, how many really t-shirts thought... do they make about testicles that they need to sell these? Isn't no one's buying them? Have you? I haven't seen anyone in the crowd wearing them. Have you? Other than Miz, is that the problem? Today on you know Turnbuckle's what? Testicle Talk, we cover you know Miz's t-shirt sales and Rhea Ripley on a nut punching spree. Jesus. You know what? There's going to be some country somewhere. These poor kids are going to be wearing the world champion jerseys of whoever loses the world series and a bunch of Miz testicle shirts. My balls are massive. T-shirts. Yeah. My balls are massive. There's going to be a bunch of kids walking around in a, uh, when, when Miz takes off his shirt and throws it at the crowd, they throw it back. I mean, nobody wants that shit. I did see that. I saw that someone threw the shirt back. Like it was a fucking baseball. 
the hell is good? Julie, what's going on here? Did like, this is like shit that people would pitch in the room again. There's no, where's the filter. It was a funny segment last week that they had this backstage segment with AJ. Styles. That was good. Cause the o- AJ and the OC are great. They're and they great, know how to play that. And they kept it. They kept it. They kept it short, tight. They kept concise. it brief, punchy. Got it. Yeah. I thought and it then was, I thought we were done. And yeah, no, there was more last night, but now we've come back and we've done the exact same thing again, except this time it was less effective because Rhea hit him after the pin happened. I'm, I'm starting to enjoy the judgment day because I really like the individual performers. And over the last few weeks, they were starting to grow on me. The problem is they're being booked into oblivion. You have Damien priest lose to Carl Anderson. What the yeah. fuck is that? Yeah. That's awful. That's it's, the, te- that's terrible booking one one and, and it, it doesn't further anything. It doesn't help anyone. And so the judgment day is DOA because they constantly lose even and then Finn. come back and kick people in the balls. Yeah. Well, even Finn, who Finn is their leader and Finn is winning matches as the leader of the judgment day. But he's winning Wait. all these matches with these terrible finishes. Would you say like, Finn's the, the leader now? Because I, I would have thought it was Damian Priest. It, it's, I think it's Finn. Yeah, Finn's it's doing Finn. most of the talking. Oh, boy. Which, by the way, the, his new music, the remix of his old music uh, by Def Rebel, which is WWE's in-house production music, is awesome. It is. He's got bad guy music that is really, really good. You're such but a you music nerd. I love that about you. Well, That's and we're going to talk about that. Actually, you know what? Let's talk about that right now. There was right. a comedy angle that could have been perfect, and they botched it. You had Chad Gable and yes, Otis. yes. Dressed as, and I love this so much because this is a deep cut, dressed as the Saturday Night Live skit where Patrick Swayze and Chris Farley are Chippendales dancers. It was, first of all, I love that sketch to death. It makes me laugh anytime I watch it. It's brilliant. And they were dressed perfectly and they looked like who they were supposed to look like. And then WWE pulls the classic move of not shelling out the extra dough to get everybody's working for the weekend uh, by Loverboy as the music. And instead oh, they yeah. played some generic guitar shit rock that they had. Well, it was a Halloween totally show. Kills the point out. Totally kills the segment. It was a Halloween it. show. They were coming out. But I got to point out, Tom, in fairness, Lauren won't shell out the money to Loverboy <laughs> for everybody's working for the weekend. No, he won't. And any repackage or recap you see of Saturday Night Live or Retrospective, they don't have that song on there. It's some like on YouTube, it's some fake song. So I don't know what Loverboy's got going on, but they're, they're not selling that song. Maybe they're like uh, Europe where Europe was, wa- Europe wanted to charge AEW a million dollars every time they play the, the final countdown. Um, yeah, that's why Brian Danielson doesn't have uh, the final countdown as his, that was his indie song. Europe wanted a million dollars every time they played it. Whoa, for real? Yeah, for real. That's why he doesn't have it. Wow. Imagine that you can't work out a deal for a song that you wrote 30 years ago that isn't realistic in any way. I just and like it, that Tony Khan has gone from a year ago handing out ice cream bars and still making a profit to now he's fighting with the band Europe and a dog named Larry. I really do think that's a bridge too far is a million dollars every time you play the final yeah. countdown. No, yeah, that's crazy. Well, while we're here, who does the OC pick to go against Rhea? Who do we think it's going to be? I know Carl Anderson's on a roll. Why not Carl? I don't know. Beth Phoenix again. Is that, is that the answer? Throwing Beth Phoenix. 
How about putting her back in the women's division? I mean, yes. At that point, yeah. I just, I don't know. All of, Can, nothing makes sense anymore. Well, something to point out is that, as we all know, in wrestling, as with anything, it's your broadcast rights that are a big deal. I mean, that can make or break you in wrestling. WWE's had the, you know, uh, the hold on that for what, Tom, 40 years, just about, or 50, even long, 50, yeah. And so a big thing to note is that uh, right before we recorded this, it was announced that Hallmark will be streaming on Peacock. So Peacock just went out and acquired a bunch of Hallmark movies to stream. Is this now, I'm just not, I'm just connecting some dots and I'm speculating, I'm rumoring and innuendoing, but uh, there's been some talk and I think someone at WWE has said, and I don't know if, if it was Nick Khan or Triple H, that they could see themselves on Netflix someday. And I'm kind of starting to wonder. It, the reason I bring this up is it feels like WWE is operating as though something's going down. And there's a lot of unanswered questions and they're trying to keep things going while they figure something out. Does it feel that way to you? Cause it feels like we're going in circles and we're not, we're not solving any storylines and we're just trying to kind of stay afloat. Yeah. We, there's, we're in a holding pattern, but basically WWE is booking like this wait and see and the fans. Meanwhile, we're all just waiting and eventually you don't want to wait anymore. <laughs> I mean, they're just, you can't have a hold. You can't have like filler programming for any number of weeks. When you have all this media out there, you have two major shows, you have one minor show, you have all this presence. NXT on has been very good, by the way. I want to say I've watched a couple NXTs lately. I don't think that's a minor show. I think that's a good show right now. NXT. I think Shawn Michaels is doing a great job with that show. I'm I'm never never shy about praising Shawn Michaels, and I'm glad the show is better. And you were and you were well. Let's real quick. We got th uh, three things in the women's division. Julie, want to talk about what do we think about the Rock's daughter showing up in NXT? I like it. For some reason, the 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 internet wrestling community was down on this one. I thought it was cool. I thought it was a rare, cool ass reveal that I didn't see coming, and it was like, oh shit, that's somebody. I liked it. And ever, Tom, your thing was, well, is this just. It's just to get back at The Rock for something. But The Rock loved it. It just seemed weird because I, I think she seems out of place in the group. But who knows? I haven't seen she her in sold the group. It. She it, sold other it. Other than great. the reveal, maybe, maybe it'll work. I, Did I, you see it's, her It's her a more wait and see thing for me. Did you see her eyes and her facial expression and everything? I thought it was yeah. a great. I thought it was great. But she, it's like you she, said, we'll see how it goes in the ring. Yeah, she, both of her parents are very charismatic people, and I don't doubt that she is as well, and I think that she will be. She's had some serious knee problems, and she, she probably should have debuted a long time ago, but she's had some physical issues. But I'm looking forward to her because I was a huge fan of her dad. What did we think of uh, Nikki Cross's return last night? Did it further things, or was it kind of just Nikki Cross? I thought it was the same as last week. Yeah, yeah. Right? I, she just came back and beat up people, and right? Well, they at least it was more, ba it was more bad booking, though. Because what I did like about it was she attacked heels and faces, which I love the wild card aspect. They don't do it enough in wrestling, and I really dug that. But she did but that then, the week before. How did we elevate what we already knew? Well, we didn't because Bianca Pinder, one, two, three, when there are three members of damage control that can perfectly cause a DQ... And instead, nah, let's just beat the person we just changed her character. She, it totally kills any momentum that she would have had going in at this point. Now she's I, just another woman's mid-carder. 
I think it should culminate in her attacking all the baby faces and heels, and then she walks up to Bray Wyatt and goes, uh, excuse me, which one are you? Are you a baby face or heel? <laughs> uh, I trust thing- Nikki to, to book the division more than I'm trusting the other booking committee. Nikki's awesome, by the way. She met her one time. She's super She's cool. one of my favorites. She has an energy and an enthusiasm. Funny as hell. Every Funny time. Funny as hell, man. Yes. She seems like someone that's just like, you're just happy to come to work. She, so. right? Yes. Yeah. She was a joy. And, I got and to Zel- work Zelina with her. Vega, Zelina Vega, too, was also very yeah. beloved. She was like, great. It's always the dudes. It was just, it's always the Corbins of the world. Just, well, uh, and, and Nikki's you are, a great worker, You want me to say God damn it. Dude. Fucking tear it up. Tear it up. Fucking do it next week. Get me John Cone. Uh, Is there a B in extravagant? Don't even fucking, man. My life was shit enough. Um, (laughs) But one more thing I want to talk about. Uh, Was there some shooting going on between Alexa Bliss and uh, was it Dakota? Or who was it? There was, did you see that segment? It was on going around Twitter today. And uh, it looked like Alexa was going low and, and, and on her own and getting some rib shots in. And then she got thrown neck first into the corner. And, uh, yeah, that was a big debate on Twitter today. If you guys haven't seen it, then I guess I'd go say, I'd say, go check it out. But Tom, what do you, did you get the, you see that what I was talking about? Oh, I, I really hate going here because I, again, I, I've been very critical of damage control as a unit. Um, I think that recently Dakota, uh, EO sky has put on much better work. It was was sky and Alexa. Well, yeah, she, Sky looking, has been working really well lately, and she, Sky, she especially when Sky's paired up with Asuka, they put you know they put on a clinic because they it's just they have a they have a special chemistry that Sky doesn't necessarily have with everyone else. The problem is both Dakota and EO are a little sloppier in the ring, and they I is it, Dakota especially, but EO seems to be a smoother worker. Something happened though. There was there was something amiss, and I couldn't quite. It looked quite like pinpoint where it was because first of all, there was another missed camera shot last night. The, the which, Rhea, which one the, the real, yeah, but the real ball shot that would like was necessary to the story. I guess they didn't get that in time. And then the other thing is it, they were kind of all over the place in that match that with Alexa, but, and, but from what you're saying, from what I could kind of see, cause it was just a bunch of quick cuts and I was felt like I was on, the rickety wooden roller coaster at Canopy Lake Park, you know, where your neck's going back and forth. But um, there was uh, Triple H will get that. We know he listens. <laughs> but um, we, um, there, it seemed to me that they were being sloppy. Alexa got pissed, threw some shots to the ribs, and then because they're taller, they bullied her into the corner. And there was like two people. There was someone reaching in from the corner that I couldn't see if, if who was Bailey or what, and then. Uh, uh, believe it was Sky just like threw in her, but you know I think we brought this up before that that was an issue. I remember that was an issue, and I won't say who, but someone Julie and I were both friendly with and think the world of. Um, but she brought to the table one time that Alexa was like, you know, people are working stiff, and that was I believe it was Sasha Banks and really? Bailey and Bailey. Yeah, I believe. Huh. I, know, I know it was Sasha Banks. And huh. for, I did not week, hear that. for weeks, Alexa just said, okay, kind of timidly. Until finally, it was when she was with Nikki Cross, until finally um, this writer, who happened to be a woman, said to her, is something going on with you guys? And then Alexa, after about four weeks of this, said, yeah, I'm getting beat up every time, for real. 
And oh. I remember it was one of those things where Paul said, uh, everybody out. And we all went into the breakdown room and then he sat in the office for a good half hour. And I think people were on the phone and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I just, I, I didn't know if you guys had seen it yet, but I do want to compliment Alexa because, and again, I don't think like Julie said, I don't think there's any logical reason that Alexa and Asuka should be teaming other than they were both getting beat up at the same time a few and times. she still cut a good but, promo afterwards, by the way. She got her, she, she did. always does. She yep. got it together. So I, I just don't, I, I think don't she like that putting, people shit on her like that. I think that Alexa is putting on inspired work with Asuka. I don't know if it's the influence or I don't know whether she's just got her sea legs under her now after a few months off that she finally, you know, she's got it cooking now. She's been putting on really good work over the last few weeks, and I definitely wanted to commend that because when she came back, there seemed to be some awkwardness. There seemed to be some ring rust, and it seems like it's totally gone. She put on a really good match last night, and they're the new tag team champions, by the way, which we haven't mentioned. And she she sold those dolls that seemed impossible to sell. Meanwhile, they're moving dolls, but none of the balls. And if you want to see how much ball talk there is next week, on Monday Night Raw, WWE Monday Night Raw airs Mondays at 8 on the USA Network. And now it's time for AEW and Sometimes Why. AEW and Sometimes Why. Now, you want to talk good promos, effective promos. Tommy Rico, you're the biggest AEW fan I think I know, other than maybe our friend uh, Kevin Kellum. Uh, and sh- shout out to Kevin. We know he listens over at Sports Kita and, and Chicago. Um, but... You guys are the biggest fans I know, and you sent me that promo, and you said, this is a good promo. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. And I watched it. It's, so it's Billy Gunn and Swerve Strickland, right? Yep. Holy shit. Yeah. Like, I was like, and it was uh, my, my daughter said, what are you watching? And I had to, like, it was like, I thought it was like, like a flip phone all of a sudden. I, like, broke my iPhone in half just to make sure this child did not see what I was seeing. <laughs> Daddy, are you I watching was a Saw movie? She asked, like, what are, what, what are you watching? Because I just turned white and I had goosebumps. And I was like, God damn. Great this shit. Is, so the promo that happened was the acclaimed came to the ring for a Keith Lee match. Keith Lee wrestled in a squash match. And the acclaimed came to the ring without daddy ass. And so they were, <laughs> they were questioning <laughs> Keith Lee as to where Strickland was and where Billy Gunn was. And we cut to a undisclosed location on the Tron where Swerve Strickland is in a dark room with a light over a tied up Billy Gunn. He's tied to a chair. And clearly this is a, an interrogation style scene. Uh, but Swerve mentions that it's a horror movie that he's making. And so he and Gunn go back and forth and Gunn is the consummate professional and goes back at him even though he's tied to the chair and is prone, but he's still going to, he's still going to be a wise ass. He's still going to be Billy Gunn and swerve pulled out a pair of pliers uh, or, and, and uh, then proceeded to break something uh, Billy's finger and then cuts. It was a quick segment. It was a scary segment. It was really scary. I want to highlight one thing. This is the type, and this is the reason why Swerve, because Swerve has been questioned on, hey, do you want to go back to WWE with Hit Row? And his answer has always been, no, I'm happy where I am. WWE would not have allowed Swerve Strickland to do this segment in a million years. Part of it is racial. Part of it is the fact that I don't think WWE sees a tall, thin black man as someone who can be a horror movie character. I think they have a certain perception 
as have to they what? met Kyrie Irving yet? <laughs> Hopefully not. But okay. so I don't think they see Swerve as that type of character, whereas Swerve clearly did. And at some point, you know, at, at AEW, clearly there's some ideas that are going back in more free form. And it that worked because it that worked. was Swerve is already a really great heel who got massive heat with little subtle things that he was doing. But this was a mega heel turn that I love for him because he's not the classic mega heel. He's thin. He's tall. He's got a different style. He's got more of a, he's got more of like an X-Pac style when X-Pac was a heel because he's got those arsenal of kicks and these weird moves that no one else can do. He's a brilliant performer. And I really want to see where he's going from here because he could have easily been brought in as the hip hop baby face and just done that and done it successfully, I might add. But this and, is unique and different. And I loved it. And dude, the, the, the selling by Billy Gunn was just unreal. He I hasn't mean, skipped a beat, has he? Nope. I was just going to say, is there anyone having more fun right now, do you think, than Billy Gunn? He's I mean, just crushing it, man. Yeah, well, I think how, he's how so hard is life? himself. How hard how is it times? to be a six foot seven massive man just made of muscle on top of muscle and be a baby face in peril? Almost impossible. I, I, but I, I like Billy Gunn. I've never, I've, I, I've never, I don't know that I've ever seen him after the Attitude Era. I don't think I saw, I didn't get to any of the live events when he was back with the company uh, for a bit doing New Age Outlaws, but um, I just like him in every documentary they do. He seems like a very cool guy. I don't know. He where seems he falls like a down. genuinely like great guy, like funny yeah. and, and silly in a way that they never portrayed him because when he was with DX, he was still a hardcore baby face. And he had that, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I have the best body and I'm Mr. Ass and all this stuff. They never really let him be him. And he was really good at playing this character. He but was, the real Billy Gunn is a fascinating guy. Yep. Yeah. And then, and then this promo, his selling, when he starts screaming, like yelping, Julie, back me up at the end. Like that was like, like better than, like full-time quote-unquote actors like i was like oh shit like i was like someone cut this like this is real he's he's right? good it's like black mirror quality just amazing like i'm really looking like i'm really looking forward uh this will be uh when this drops it'll be tonight that we'll hopefully we'll see but i don't know like that 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 was a fun one and you know what it reminded me of and i said this to tom this is what Ms. Dexter Loomis could have been. Mm, yep. That's a good point. That's a good point, John. I, and that brings up another issue. Tony Khan, as we know, has had his work cut out for him. But when you see certain things, I'm starting to wonder if he's starting to piggyback a little off of things that get half-baked in WWE and saying, oh, I think we can do a little bit better than that. Because I've seen a couple things lately, like, for instance, uh, the whole scissor me thing is I think he saw the the ball shit and was like, well, hold on a second. What's today's version of that? And I think that um, with this angle right here, it's almost like a, it's like he took elements that did look kind of good from the Bray storyline and elements that did look kind of good from Loomis at first and said, well, that didn't work for them. I'm going to restart it on my side and we're going to do it this way. This time around though, you have Swerve Strickland and Billy Gunn. And it's well, like, it's almost what Vince used to do where it's like, what? Hey pal, you have a nice idea there. I got Hulk Hogan and Andre the giant and I'm going to do it better than you did. We've talked about this before. 
AEW pivots really well. And it's like from week to week, they seem to get even better at it. Look at Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy, he went, he was a upper mid card guy that I always felt could be more. Well, now he's got a championship belt and people love him. So what do you do? He's healthy. He's on every show. He literally, he was on a, a special AEW Dark that they did for Halloween. He is on another AEW Dark. He'll be on the uh, Wednesday Dynamite. I mean, you can't overexpose someone that popular and that fun. So he's just riding the wave. And it's a good idea because you know you're going to get a good match out of him every single time. And the people love him. Um, also and, so uh, smart to take advantage of Halloween. It's a perfect Halloween costume. Tommy, you looked amazing. So did your son. <laughs> I thought uh, if you... It, that, it was, is, uh, that was up there. As someone who's gone as uh, several wrestlers, maybe in my childhood, Tom, but... Um, for, but that, but yours was better than any I've I've seen. You uh, and guys, your, and your son, it was it was I, fantastic. I appreciate that. But uh, breaking news: Ray Phoenix has uh, retweeted me. Has he? Oh my <laughs> this god! Just happened. Hey, so there you go. That's for, a breaking news. In in the interest of full what disclosure, everyone. So my son Lorenzo, who is eight years old, and I both dressed as Orange Cassidy. I went the full nine. I got the official Orange Cassidy jacket. I found out what pants he wears to the ring. I found out what wrestling shoes he wears. And so we both had the classic yearbook photo of Orange Cassidy t-shirt. And we both had complete Orange Cassidy outfits. And uh, and I had the Ray-Bans. They don't make Ray-Bans small enough for a kid. But so we went to Republic of Lucha in South Pasadena because the Lucha bros were in town and doing a trick-or-treat event. So we got to meet the Lucha Bros, and we went in, we're in full Orange Cassidy gear, and the Lucha Bros are there taking pictures with people and having a great time, and they spotted us, and the look on their faces when they saw two Orange Cassidys, one, one extra large and one small, um, Fun speaking Spanish to them, they were just like, oh, you guys got to come over here. <laughs> they just waved <laughs> us over. They gave Lorenzo about two pounds of candy. And they took a picture of us and I shared it on, on Instagram. We have some video and everything too. Hopefully that'll go out, but they were, they were awesome. And I let them know in Spanish that we will see them in January. Cause we're going to the forum to go see AEW on January. You might be 11th. working there, Tom. You might be working there by then. You got to hire Tommy Rico, Tony. He could be your Bruce. Oh, and also like- I just want to say it was a great picture and yeah, it was just a little bit better than the year. Uh, I and my sister, Went trick-or-treating in the perfect storm. And I was the undertaker, but she was Peter Pan. <laughs> and then when a tree branch almost hit me in the face, I almost started to cry. So just a little bit cooler. Well, speaking that of almost our, that crying. Might be our TikTok, that might be our TikTok video this week. Speaking cool of almost video crying. Of Tom, and then John and, John and Stephanie not Did, matching at all. <laughs> it was worse than Bruce and the undertaker. Who the fuck is that with the undertaker? <laughs> well, Peter speaking Pan, of man. almost crying, did you see the right. second photo that we put out? So the other photo was around the corner from Republic of Lucha in South Pasadena. If you're a horror movie fan and you don't know this, the original 1978 Halloween was filmed in South Pasadena. Supposed to be a little town in Illinois. It was actually South Pasadena. They made sure not to film. Yeah, they made sure not to film any palm trees or anything. Brilliant film work by by the uh, master of horror, John Carpenter. So the original Myers house was in South Pasadena. They built a railroad through South Pasadena and they were going to demolish the home. 
but they declared it a national monument and they moved the house across the street. So that's the awesome. Myers house is right next to Republic of Lucha. Oh, so that's we, awesome. Dude, that's so awesome. we then went to the Myers house and at the Myers house, it was a Michael Myers convention and it was so, cause they were all in character. So they're all silent and they're all walking around in their blue jumpsuits and their masks. And one of them was waiting for a train. It was, it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen, just a convention of Michael Myers. So we took a picture with the official Michael Myers, who was standing at the foot of the Myers home. Uh, just a great Halloween. So, so much fun. And the, again, Ray Fenix and Penta Cero Miedo. We did, by the way, we did uh, Penta's gimmick. We did the Cero Miedo. Did he, you? Yeah he, yeah, he was so happy. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing them in L.A. Um, again, I, it's, it's so weird that we get to interact with people like that. It, to me, it blows my mind that we see the Lucha Bros on TV every week. And, oh, they're the Lucha Bros. AEW, every big event, uh, lately they've been doing a meet and greet. So, like, they have a meet and greet with Orange Cassidy booked soon. They have one with Wardlow booked for soon. So they, they know, hey, one of, the, uh, one of the draws is that our wrestlers are accessible. And our wrestlers are human beings. And so I think that that, that access is so different. And the way that the wrestlers interact with fans is very different. So I, uh, my, my phone is now blowing up with Ray Phoenix. This is so exciting. Uh, Congratulations. That's really Super cool. cool. They, they, they were such cool dudes. I can't, I can't wait to see them again live at the Fabulous Forum, which I had never been to before and finally visited last weekend. Right before Halloween, we went to go see Mark Anthony who was awesome. Highly recommended. The Latino Frank Sinatra. Definitely see him if he's in your town. Um, speaking of Halloween and AEW, though, something else you guys wanted to talk about. You think Dan Housen is turning heel. Our beloved Dan Housen. And I don't I'm, know. And, and you know what? You know what I think it's inspired by? Julie constantly showing up at every convention he's at. <laughs> I, think he's, I think he's had enough. And he's just like, God, 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 I have to turn scary now to get this girl away from me. This is real tricky. Dan Housen, Dan Housen as a fan won't leave me alone. I have to be extra evil, not nice. Very evil, very, very evil. Julie, do you think he's turling, turning heel? Julie, that's a or good do you Dan Housen impression, by the dark. way. Nice job. It's, that is an excellent uh, Dan Housen impression. Yeah, Julie, you've really been working dark. on that. Nice job. That was Julie did that impression, everybody. Yep. You think he's turning heel? Why? No, I think he's turning. I think his character is like there's he's tapping into a darker side, which he did. I on agree the with Indies. that. I agree with that. I think but that who's going to boo Danhausen is the question. And I don't think AEW is going to kill the golden, the goose that laid the golden eggs. I think so it's I don't a think new... they're turning him heel. I think they're just they're tweaking him a bit or he's tweaking his character a bit more likely. It's it's a new toy. It's a new mechanism for him. It's the bell ringing reminds him of trauma. And I think that could be a fun storyline that could play out to their next pay-per-view. Well, he wrestled on the main event of the Halloween Dark, and he wrestled QT Marshall, who, by the way, you know, he's not on the main show very much, but QT, big, thick guy, great worker, great trainer, great trainer of wrestlers of today yep. and tomorrow. And so he was in the ring with Danhausen. And that's QT Marshall, when you see him in the ring with big wrestlers, he looks like an average sized guy. I've seen him in person. He is absolutely not, he is a big, thick dude. And so he had a great match with uh, Danhausen, and but Danhausen showed some weakness. Danhausen did some of his new darker spots, like the 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 kind of bat hanging uh, upside down thing, and but he lost the match uh, due to interference, and then tweeted some very cryptic 
emo stuff and has uh, tweeted and shared on his Instagram photos of him looking like they were taken during the filming of the movie seven, like some really dark, gritty photos of Dan Housen. So something's up and I I'm interested to see where it goes. I, I love fun, loving Dan Housen. I don't love the losing streak. I've mentioned that before, but it's going to be very yeah, interesting. Also, he to see loses so quick too. Like, it's like when he loses, it's like, but let, let me ask you another thing. We're talking about the fun, loving Dan Housen. Now, Dan Housen, for a long time, in my opinion, and I think we've talked about this, so I, I think we're in agreement. Dan Housen has been like, you know, above and beyond, no, no debate about it, the funniest wrestler that I think we would see. But I got to say, Sami Zayn is, it's getting tight. Like, it's like, now that Sami Zayn is really just starting to go nuts, like, <laughs> that segment... And I love that Roman Reigns is, first of all, another thing I want to say is everyone that's still burying Roman Reigns for anything can't run with the torch, shut up. What are you talking about? And yes, I am talking about some specific. And yeah, it is a former coworker. And no, not someone from WWE. But oh my gosh, I had to throw my phone across the room to not get ratioed back when Twitter was Twitter a couple weeks ago. Julie, I think, knows who I'm talking about. And someone who I like, who's, who's been very nice to me, and I was just like, fuck you. I was so mad that he was shitting on Roman Reigns. I think Roman's been great for like two years straight. Okay? And I think that Roman pulling the Usos in when they try to turn away, when Sammy's just got them pissing their pants laughing, is great. And it makes for captivating, captivating TV. And the look on Sammy's face when he clearly sneaks something in that only they can hear. And then he just smiles at him waiting for that. It's the funniest, most entertaining shit. And Julie, it's great to watch. Cause I think Heyman, Heyman looks like he's coming around to it. Cause we know that Heyman loves something. How will it make money once it starts making money? And this is making money. It's interesting to see Paul. Paul's not breaking, but you see that twinkle in his eye. I've seen the dollar signs in his eye that he's like, we got some shit here. This is good. And like, so who do we think is funnier right now? Dan Housen or Sami Zayn? I'm going to go first. Sami Zayn takes, he's my, he's my number one in my power rankings for current funny wrestlers. Our truth has been absent for too long. He's, he's gone. He's, he's down the list. Um, and so I go, it's between those two. Sami Zayn, funnier. This is like Dan making ha- you choose Dan Housen, between your got- children. I can't. They're. I love them both equally. Sammy's Sammy's just on fire. I love Dan Housen. He still makes me laugh. I love that tweet the other day when someone said, fun things to do in Toronto. Go. And he wrote back, McDonald's. (laughs) Uh, John, you mentioned that Sammy is essentially the Will Ferrell of WWE right now. He is. He is. Because Will used to go on and deliberately try to watch about Sammy. He's so dialed in right now. And everything's working. You know, like when you're a comedian who is murdering on stage, you can just feel it. And yeah. you know, you could, you could say or do anything and get it through. Sammy's in that zone right now. He's in the red zone. He's just constant. Everything he's doing is working. And he's, it's crisp and it's clean. And it's, it, it, a lot of it is improv and the timing is impeccable. I just think that Sammy and Dan Housen are two very different performers. And I like, like, 
Danhausen is really good at two things. He's really good at understanding and presenting his character in a way that's going to consistently be funny. I think Danhausen is more on the page funny. I think Sami Zayn is more in the moment funny. Uh, Danhausen, before his match on Dark, uh, interrupted QT Marshall's interview backstage coming out of a locker. Like that's, <laughs> that is, that's, yeah. that's using every part of the Buffalo. That's like when you're a comedian, don't, please you, don't use that expression. That, well, re, that reminds me of someone that we don't need to address, but well, no, will, but nonetheless, Danhausen is really good at not just using, using what he's got doing the, you know, doing the best he can with his character, but finding little weird things to do and finding little weird ways to interrupt yes. segments or He's really good at structured segments, whereas Sammy is really good at making moments where, you know, I'm, I'm sure more than we think is on the page with those Bloodline and Sammy Zayn promos. That being said, like, so one thing that I don't think we pointed out, the whole reason that Usi was so funny <laughs> to the Bloodline is that Usi is a curse word in Samoan. And, oh. that, and that's one thing that so and and I don't know whether Sammy knew that or whether it was incidental, but whatever it worked. One thing that WWE doesn't always get is that like when your performers are fluent in two languages, occasionally things uh, you might miss what something means. Like for weeks, uh, Raquel Rodriguez was her finishing maneuver was called the Chingona bomb. And what W and it was going over the air every week. And what they didn't realize was every week they were saying, Hey, this lady just hit the badass bitch move every single week. And finally they changed That's it. Okay. Now I'm it's okay like, with that. Now it's the Tejana bomb. Um, but yeah, but that is a thing. I wrote bitch in a promo once and I got a phone call from Paul Heyman right away. Yeah. But you're so not going to call it the bit, badass bitch, bitch, bomb. bitch, bitch for some reason is a word. You can not say there. That's a you banned know. word in my house. I'm saying it in my house right now, and I will be banned. Bitch, from it. really? Yes. You can't say you can't say son of like ah. Oh, you bang your thumb, son of a bitch. You can't say that. Nope. Wow, that that's a, like well, my no, go-to. My wife and I had that conversation long ago, and any any mention of that word is be, because it is an anathema to to feminism and to being a female and it is a word that is used to dehumanize women uh i have pretty much exorcised it and just used it now to describe what they were calling the chingona bomb what that actually means in spanish so usi is a a samoan curse word so it broke them up crazy i don't know whether that was scripted because the looks on there i don't think that everyone in that segment and by the way roman reigns is a great actor in the ring great actor in the ring a lot of that seemed pretty legit so i yep. think that was something sammy you know took out of his box of tricks uh and really hit them with it because that seemed very genuine hey something uh speaking of that tom that you wanted to talk about and uh we kind of talked about this going into the show last night uh when we were getting our outline and everything together um some sad news uh came out uh regarding uh Corey graves and carmella and, um, you know, we, we just want to say that, like, first of all, I've always said, uh, you know, from my interactions with Corey, we're always positive. And I remember Corey coming to watch the Firefly Funhouse be shot. He was there with the Miz and they were there just as fans, uh, just like I was for, for one of them for the start till I got stuck under the table wearing the, the puppet on my hand. 
And they were asking how they could help. You know, they were asking. So Corey was really interested and there was no ego there. And so I like Corey Graves and we understand it's been a fluid commentary situation. We've talked a lot about it. Um, and, um, you know, I'll just be the one that eats shit on this first, which is you never know what's going on with somebody behind the scenes. And you say, gosh, what's their problem? Things seem off. And that's why I was trying to caution that with Bray is that sometimes when things seem off, they are off. And we learned that, uh, Corey Graves went through, um, a personal tragedy with his wife, Carmela. Yeah. And I, I want to stress that I think almost every time that I've criticized Graves or Carmela, and I've been pretty hard on them, it has been prefaced with the fact that I expect more from them because they are talented. I think each of them has a lot of skill. And what frustrates me is some of it's not in their control. Some of it is however the company wants to portray their characters. And in Graves' situation, he is literally on mic for three hours. Yeah. And that's what he does. I've said this before. There's no way I could do. No way I could do. I'm just not that smooth. He's there speaking for three hours. Is it all gold? No. Can it all be gold? No, it's three hours. So I always expect more from Graves and Carmela because Carmela has certainly had some very fun runs in her career. I Second generation like, star with New England roots. I want to yeah. shout out, by the way. So I've been particularly hard on them. And that story really hit home for me. Uh, so my wife and I, uh, we got married at 37. Uh, we got pregnant at 38, which if you don't know, that is considered what's called a geriatric pregnancy. And my wife carried to full term an incredibly healthy, amazing baby boy who is now eight years old. And it was the most amazing thing that has ever happened in my life. It changed me as a person. I always said my, my wife saved my life, but my son saved my soul and gave me purpose. And when you see that first ultrasound where there is a visible fetus, the one thing that you notice right away is that heartbeat because it's a little blob of tissue. It's a little tiny thing. But the heartbeat is like a Christmas light, just boom, 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 boom. It is the most beautiful thing that a human being could ever see in their lifetime. And my wife and I, we're so happy with our son, and he is more than enough for us. But we wanted to possibly have more children, and we suffered two miscarriages. Uh, one was devastating because it was a couple of months in, and I can tell you that the flip side of seeing that beautiful Christmas light blinking is looking at an ultrasound and seeing that blob of tissue with no light flashing. And before the doctor even says it, you already know this didn't work. And because we were caring for a preschooler, we didn't really have time to mourn. It was one of those things that it's just, it was very matter of fact. We just had to get through it and live our lives and take care of our, you know, our preschool child. And then we, uh, as we were getting older and the clock was ticking, we tried in vitro. We had five healthy embryos and none of them took. And those were two devastating events in our life. And so I can't stress enough that most couples that deal with this situation suffer in silence. 
the men especially, because I think women have just better community and, and better social skills and are more willing to talk about such things. And men just kind of eat it because they know that their, their dude friends don't want to talk about it. But it's something that I am still years later coming to grips with what happened. And so I, I couldn't feel uh, more sad for both Carmela and for Corey Graves. And I wish them the best. And it, for anyone out there who's ever suffered that, if you need help, get it because it is a really tough go. Even if you think you're over the hump, it tends to haunt you for a lot longer than you think. Uh, so my best wishes to Corey Graves and Carmela. And I hope that I hope that they, if they do want children in the future, that they do get to experience that because it is a wonder. Tommy, I'm so sorry that uh, you and your wife went through that. And thank you so much for sharing your story. And I hope it helps other people who are, who are going through something similar. I really appreciate it, Tommy. Thank you. And, uh, and when things do swing that way for Corey Graves and Carmela, the lucky ass kid right there uh, with some great parents. And as Tom said, get help and get the help you need and uh, trust people. And we hope that we were able to uh, bring you some joy uh, before we go. Got to plug AEW Dynamite Wednesday at 8 TBS. Rampage Friday at 10 on TNT. And I think you can get it on demand most places too. So check it out there. We thank everybody for listening. Julie, please subscribe, review, and give us a nice five-star rating. Let the writers dress like writers. Make sure you tick our talk. We are at Turnbuckles Pod on TikTok and at Turnbuckles Pod on Instagram. And we got a YouTube channel. That's a lot of fun. And yeah, Twitter for now. Whatever. And thanks for listening. See ya, buckleheads. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.